Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Um, in an amazing way. I think we're continually changing if we want to, but um, this year was a huge redeeming and healing year for me. Um, so today, what I want to encourage you with is um, that you would be inspired by the goodness, the kindness, and the faithfulness of God. So when you talked about hope, that's the same thing that I felt today, that I wanted to release hope and inspire you today with God's love and the things that he's done in my life, that I get to impart that to you too, because God's not a respecter of persons, and what he has done for me, he can do for you as well. Um, to, for you to understand a little bit more of how this year affected me, I actually feel like I want to take you back and for you to actually get to know who I was before I even went to school. Because I've been, I think, going to this church for about four years as I've been doing, did my teaching degree and teaching at KCA. But I've never actually got a chance to really share um, my life before coming here. So if it's okay, I'm going to get a little real with you this morning <laughs> and, um, and share with you a little bit of my story. So I'm an only child. I grew up, or I was born in Ottawa, and my parents moved out to BC when I was about two years old. And they took over a marina and campground called Bayshore Resort. And that's where I spent the next 10 years of my life growing up on the beach there and my parents running the campground and the restaurant. But when I was five years old, it was winter time, and me and my best friend, you know, the winter's here, it's, there's a lot of snow. We lived right beside the restaurant, and then in front of us was the marina and the water way down. And we decided, no one was watching us, that we would go down to the marina. And while that happened, we were throwing ice into the water I fell in. And with my snowsuit and everything, I couldn't swim. And my girlfriend, we were five, four and five at the time, she, I remember very vividly her trying to get me to swim, and I couldn't swim. And I remember going down deep into the water, and I remember seeing a black hole. And then the next thing I knew... Um, what happened is my friend had to run up to the house and grab my parents. And by the time my parents, or my dad, actually got to me first, I was face down on the water, not breathing, basically dead. And so he actually gave me CPR and revived me that day. And um, that point was uh, a point in their lives that changed things. They had grown up knowing God and in... Um, families that knew the Lord, but they hadn't been walking with him. And through that circumstances, a series of others, they started going back to church when I was about five years old. And, but that point, looking back this year, realizing that God had a plan for me even then, that the enemy might have tried to take me out even at five years old, but he had a plan. <laughs> Psalms 103.8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and rich or abounding in unfailing love. And when I look at even just that almost near-death experience, I think of Psalms 139, and it says, You saw me before I was born, and every day of my life was recorded in your book. 
every moment laid out before a single day had passed, that he saw it all, <laughs> and he was there. This year, when um, I was thinking about to that moment, I asked the Lord, I was like, Jesus, where were you? Where were you in that moment? And I actually got a picture of him standing there in the water up to here, holding me until my dad got to me. And it was just this revelation of, wow, you were there the whole time, God. But from that point, so I'd been in church um, since I was five years old. I knew that Jesus loved me for the Bible told me so, but I didn't really have a relationship with Father God. I started singing on the worship team when I was 11. My dad was one of the worship leaders, and he taught me how to lead worship, I guess, and was involved. Well, I, I still help lead worship back home when I'm there for the summer. And I was 12, and I first had my experiences, experience with God's presence for myself. It was at family camp. So I actually really encourage you to go to camp. <laughs> it was some of my foundational times. was at Bible camp. It was in Belfort, B.C. And that is where I first encountered the Lord uh, for myself. And at, I think it was 14, we had missionaries come from, I can't remember right now. It might have been actually Mozambique can't remember, but, um, and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues at 14. But then, teenage came, and I kind of lost all that, but I still went to church. I still loved the Lord, but I was a little lost, I guess you could say. I didn't really have an identity of my own, and struggled with relationships, and struggled to kind of, even though, like, I grew up, like, my parents beautiful, amazing people. They loved me so much. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for their amazing love for me and them helping me. Um, but I still didn't understand it for myself, Father's love. And that's so important to understand because people all around you, they can tell you how loved you are. They can tell you how beautiful you are. But if you actually don't understand it for yourself, if you don't have a revelation of this for yourself, it's actually hard to walk that out. And that's what I discovered. Um, when, after high school, I really wanted to figure out this sort of God thing, really for myself, apart from my family, apart from my church, and I went to Bible college in Calgary. And it was some really amazing time, but it was also some of really difficult um, time for me. Um, because actually, while I was there, I got taken advantage of by a pastor and the leader of the church. And that sort of triggered a lot of things from that point in my life on. Um, when it all came out that that happened, I was asked to leave and I went home and didn't really know what to do after that. It was kind of like I was pushed kind of under the rug, sort of speak. And I now... I didn't really trust men to begin with, but now I really don't trust men, even Christian men, <laughs> or leaders. And so, for a while, it's actually really hard for me to even trust pastors and to let them in. So it was really, I kind of kept them at arm's length. So, sorry, Jeff. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> but, um, so I came back home and I nannied, and... Uh, during that time, I ended up meeting 
meeting a man that I thought I was in love with, but he did not share the same values that I did. And because I was still broken and still confused and didn't really understand who I was as a child of God, um, I ended up marrying somebody that, um, with not sharing the same values with me, it was really difficult. And it ended up being an abusive marriage where after a while, I eventually, I had to leave. And I am being in the church that was really hard for me because I believe in marriage. I still believe in marriage. I still fight for that. But a lot of shame came on me because um, I was a Christian. I was a worship leader, and this was happening to me. And But I'm so grateful because I had people like these beautiful people in the back, Bill and Deborah. I barely knew them, and they were pastoring my parents' church in Crawford Bay, and they took me in here, <laughs> and they poured into me, and they loved me, and they counseled me, <laughs> and fed me, <laughs> basically into a place that I could kind of <laughs> get out of the mental state that I was in because I was so broken down because of the space that I had been put in. And it was people like Don Hildebrandt and Terry Zimmer, whom a lot of you know. I went to a Bible study with them for two years, and it was probably two years of breaking down and crying and feeling so shame, and they just continued to pour and love on me. Pour, it's so important, the family of God. So important. We need each other, and we all have stuff. And it's a lie if you think that, that you're going through something alone. Because we've all experienced things. And I think that's one of the biggest lies that the enemy tries. Is I'm alone in this and nobody will understand. Or it's too much for people. And then we isolate ourselves. But (laughs) Jesus wants to embrace each other. And as a family, we need each other. So I'm so grateful for this family. For welcoming in, in and for my parents and my family and friends that poured into me in those years. So I came back after um, going through the divorce, and this was my home. And I ended up finishing my degree and working at the Kootenai Christian Academy. And loved that. Some of my students are running around. Oh, there's one right there. (laughs) And um, it was an amazing experience, but I still had this stuff inside of me that hadn't really been dealt with (laughs) and I really needed an encounter with the Lord and I was really struggling with who I was um it was about two years ago or a year and a half ago um struggling so much with my identity that I actually developed an eating disorder and struggled off and on with that and didn't believe I was beautiful and really struggled to um to see myself as that and to see myself as worthy because of my past and what I had experienced. And I had an encounter with the, with the Lord, (laughs) with, with the father. Cause like I said, I knew Jesus loved me, but I didn't really understand the father's love. And I had this picture of him and I was kneeling down before him, probably in heaven somewhere. (laughs) And I couldn't look at him in his eyes, and he walked up to me, and he put a crown on my head. (laughs) And he kneeled down, 
And he lifted my chin so I could meet with his eyes face to face. And he said, you're spoken for. (laughs) And he said, you're forgiven. (laughs) And that I love you. And that changed everything for me. (laughs) That personal experience with the Lord. (laughs) Pray for those. Look for those. Seek for those. He wants to give you those moments. (laughs) Because those are the things that change you. Like I heard from him. And it changed the way that I saw myself. It was a process after that. (laughs) And it still is. But it was kind of the launching point to me. Like, hey, I want to do something different. And that's when I applied to Bethel. And eventually got accepted. But it was the last few years of being a part of this church. And their connection with Bethel. And the the conferences that came in. There was, I think, four different conferences between this church and another church that I went to within a year and a half. And I'd sit at the back, and every single time, somebody would call me out and speak words over me. And those things were like little pieces coming off my heart. I was like, oh, that's who I am? I don't see it yet, but I'll believe it. So those words that people say over you, even if you don't believe it yet... (laughs) Take those, write them down, read them, read them out, read them over yourself because they're powerful. They're so powerful. (laughs) And um, so the, uh, one of my main scriptures this year, um, like going through what I went through, Psalms 140. So I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard heard my cry he lifted me out of the pit of despair out of the mud and mire the passion translation says he stooped down to lift me out of the desolate pit the muddy mess that i had fallen into he set my feet upon a rock and steadied me as i walked along and he gave me a new song to sing and that's what he has done for me he's given me a new song to sing There's so much that I know I still have to. It's a whole life process of working things out. But I now have a different perspective, a different hope that he is actually working all things out for my good. So after that encounter and waiting the eight weeks, they said it was four. I waited eight weeks for my acceptance letter for Bethel. I thought I wasn't going to get accepted because I'm like, they're not going to take me because I had to be so real about everything that I had struggled with. And I'm like, I'm a mess. They're not going to take me. Thank goodness they did. Then I realized that everybody is a mess there. So (laughs) it's okay. It's like, really? You got in too? Okay, we're, we're not doing too bad. So, <laughs> really, we all have stuff. And uh, it's alive from the enemy. That shame that uh, keeps us from stepping out. Um, so, my, my year this year, um, so some of you, because there's been students in and out, um, you might know what the school is, but I'll just um, tell you a little bit about my experience with the school. And what it is. So it's a training center where students get to embrace their identity as children of God. Where they get to learn their values, the values of God's kingdom, and walk in power and authority of the king. Their mission is to equip us to bring transformation worldwide to whatever God-given influence we're called to. So it's not that we're all called to be pastors or ministers. It's whatever you feel 
you are called to. So if you're in business or politics or there's lots of musicians there or artists or even doctors, there are students, the youngest student was 17 when they entered, 18 when they left, and the oldest was 91. So there's students, all ages, <laughs> and from all around the world represented. And there was about 13, 1,300 of us all together. And so it was big. And after, I have a video to show you of, of my experience and my trip. But, so you'll get to kind of have a little bit of picture in your head. But so from 1,300 students, then we were broken down into revival groups. So a revival group, there's a 70 of us. And then there's a pastor over us. And then we have mentors that I get to... Um, basically spill my guts to you <laughs> and, help, and help you through. And that is where you really learned a lot about family. And you get to take what they taught during the week and apply it and pray for each other and step out, do stuff like this in smaller settings. I got to lead worship in that setting. I didn't get accepted to the um, big worship team, but I'm kind of glad that was God's grace because I don't think I was ready for that yet. And I just needed to really figure out who I was apart from that. Because that's been a part of my life for so long. Um, being a worshiper or being a musician. And I needed to figure out, figure out how to worship with, without it being about that. And uh, ironically, God grew me in worship in ways that I didn't even expect. <laughs> So um, I was really grateful that, for that. So every day we had about 45 minutes of worship, and it's just amazing. Um, we have experienced his presence here. It's the same, God's presence. It's like that's what we just long for every single day is just more of his presence. Um, one of my favorite classes was city service, and so... My city service was called Prayer Walks and Treasure Hunts. And Treasure Hunts is people are the treasure. So you are the treasure. And so some weeks we would go out and just prayer walk certain parts of the city. And then other weeks we would ask the Lord for people to encounter that day. And that we would pray for them. And they would be the treasure. <laughs> and we get to pray for them. Some days we would take food. Because where I was, we were at a library. And there was a lot of homeless there every single day. So we got to um, feed, a feed the homeless. Which I hadn't really had a chance to do. Living around here, it's not exactly the right environment <laughs> for people to stay long term. So it's there. But it really built my empathy. It really um, helped me understand that there's so many people out there that that just needed someone to talk to, too. So sometimes we'd just sit there and talk with them. When the opportunity comes up, you'd share the Lord with them. But a lot of it was actually hearing their stories. And sometimes it, it was actually really heartbreaking. Um, but one of the testimonies that came out of that during our prayer walk time, we were a group, I think I was, I was with four guys, and we were just walking, and we weren't even actually praying at the time. <laughs> and a guy from... A gentleman was sitting on the grass kind of by this riverbank, and he called out to us, and he just said, pray for me. And it's just like he could sense that we were carrying something that he needed. <laughs> and so we sat with him on the dirt and just prayed with him, and he recommitted his life to the Lord that day. He had been really struggling with alcoholism and probably drugs too, 
but you could actually watch it disappear off of him as we were praying for him. And during that time, his fiance was on the other side of the street watching it all happen, and eventually she trickled her way over, and she was a beautiful person, and she had this big smile but hardly any teeth, and she ended up just falling apart in my lap, just crying and then looking up at me and smiling. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on right now. But you knew that just being there meant something. You're just showing love to people, and it makes a difference. I don't know what their life transpired after that, but I know that moment for them, God touched them, and that's what it was all about. So that that was really fun for me. Um, yeah, the year was all about identity, like I, like I said, and realizing who you are, that um, we are children of, children of God. And that was such a big deal to learn. <laughs> I, I, like, you are so loved. Like, it, it seems so simple. But if we actually really embraced how much we are loved by the Father, it changes everything. When you have an encounter, an experience with his love, it changes so much. Um, This word, to be honest, I hated reading. (laughs) I did not like reading, so getting into this was a struggle for me at first. But then it came real to me. I actually saw it do stuff. I saw it work. I saw it transform my life. And I would take scriptures from here, scriptures that said that I'm holy and blameless before him without a single fault. And at first, I'm like, that's impossible. But as I continue to meditate on that, continue to actually believe it, it becomes rooted within me, and then it changes you, and then you believe it. Sometimes you have to declare things until it actually sets in and you believe it. (laughs) And this word is transformational. Take it off your shelf, (laughs) read it, and believe what it says. Um... This year, and talking about um, like who I was and my identity from the inside, this year was honestly probably the first year I was able to look myself at the end of the year, look myself in the eye in the mirror, and tell myself I was beautiful. I had people tell me that my whole life, <laughs> and uh, I actually saw it this year because <laughs> I had an ex. I, well, I heard the Lord tell me it, and that made a big difference. Because I'm like, well, if he created me, it must be pretty amazing. <laughs> he are created in the image of God, and he is beautiful. <laughs> and you're beautiful. And then, yeah, I mean, that's the continual thing. Because, man, it's so hard. There's so much that comes at us from the day to day. So much comparison. So many things that come at us. And it's a day-to-day struggle or battle that you have to be like, no, this is who I am. This is who God says I am. I'm going to believe this over everything else that's going around. Um, so, my trip to Zimbabwe. That was the highlight of my year. <laughs> um, going to Zimbabwe was actually a really big deal to me. Because in 2005, when I was at Bible College before, I went to Kenya on a missions trip. And um, with the experience that I had, as amazing as that trip was in one way, I didn't have the covering that I had. And I always knew Africa was in my heart, 
But because of the relationships that I got into and the marriage that I was in, I did not think that I could ever get back to Africa. And I thought that dream was dead. But when I got to go back to Africa, it was like, as soon as I stepped foot on that ground, I was like, wow, God, you are so good. (laughs) You are restoring dreams. There's dreams in your heart that you might not even remember you've had there. But he sees it. He knows it. He's so good. (laughs) Don't forget about those. Sometimes you have to put them on a shelf for a season. It's just not the right time yet. God's timing is perfect. It's so perfect. (laughs) It's just not the right time. If it's not yet, it's just not the right time. (laughs) But he brought me back to Africa, and that would have just been enough, just stepping there. Like, yay, I'm back. God, you're so good. Um, But it was uh, two weeks of full-on ministry, (laughs) full-on stepping out where I've never stepped out in um, and sharing my testimony, actually, even more vulnerably in front of hundreds of people at times but it was so freeing every time you faced a fear every time there was like this I was freaking out at times I was like I cannot do this and my team would cover me there was so much coverage it's like that's what it's supposed to be about each other helping each other and then every time you stepped out it was like crushing that enemy it's like no and then God showed up he always showed up (laughs) I learned that he shows up. <laughs> it's like, wow, you you really do want to show up for me, God. And you want to show up for the people. Um, one of the testimonies that came out of there, we were in one of the townships. I was doing children's ministry with a group, and we were doing balloon animals and stuff, which was very chaotic with a bunch of kids. But another group was out and praying for people in the town and while they were out there there was a woman that was 98 years old and she hadn't walked in five years and she spoke a different language so they actually couldn't didn't know what was going on with her at first but one of the guys knew enough shona the language that he was able to to say to her king jesus is going to heal you today and they prayed for her and she got up and she ran to them without her cane and she had not walked in five years And they learned through a translator later that she um, had something wrong with her head and in her chest, in her knees, and her feet, I believe. And uh, but that day, the Lord healed her, and um, that was just one of the amazing miracles that we saw on the trip. Another one during a healing conference, a lady, one of my girlfriends was praying for a lady that had a physical cyst in her mouth that you could see it in her teeth and it was really bothering her. And as they prayed, they physically saw it completely disappear and she was healed. (laughs) It was like, wow, (laughs) just those creative miracles. Like sometimes it's just the littlest things like praying for somebody for a headache. That's a miracle. It, It it doesn't have to be these big, grand things. It's all testimonies of his goodness. It's all testimonies of building your faith. Praying for those little things and seeing them. And then it gives you that faith and that confidence to pray for the bigger things. Because we get to grow glory to glory, faith to faith. <laughs> um, while I was there, we did a, a youth event. And um, that was probably one of the first times I really experienced the scripture, Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. 
because I got the opportunity to share my testimony in front of, I believe it was two or 300 youth that night. And um, afterwards, they did a call to break off shame off of a lot of people. And there were so many young women that came up after me and said, thank you for sharing your story. I struggled with this too, but now I have hope. And I was like, wow, God, like you're actually using the pain that I went through for good. And I was like, it's worth it. I don't like what I went through, but if you can turn this around for good, use me however you want to use me. And it is just so amazing to see that he is working all that out for good. And he'll work all those things that you might see as imperfections and failures. He'll work all those things out for good. You just have to believe it and trust him and see the goodness in it. There's goodness in all of it in some sort of way. Sometimes it's really hard to see. But he is good, he is kind, and he is faithful. I went on a safari, and some of you knew I was praying to see an elephant. And I saw a statue of one, (laughs) but I didn't see a real one because it actually got stolen. So I don't know how you steal an elephant, (laughs) but it was there, but it wasn't there when I was there. So I didn't get to steal an elephant, but we got to pray for the people that their elephant would be brought back. But I did get to, um, to pet a zebra, which was pretty cool, and you'll see pictures of it later. Um, we got to lead a conference, seven of us at the end. We got split up to different, because there was 24 of us on our team, and we got split up to different places in different churches um, at the end. And I got to stay in Harare. I was in Zimbabwe, Harare, with seven others, and we got to lead the whole conference. So we did the speaking and the worship and the praying and whatever else they wanted us to do. And I got to do a dance workshop. And so I started doing prophetic dance this year for the first time and got so much freedom from dancing. I couldn't believe it. I always wanted to dance. When I was five, I took piano and tap dance, but then it took an hour to get to those lessons. So my parents said I had to choose between one or the other. And at that time, I chose music, which I'm grateful for. But it was like another God restoring things within me. It's like that little dancer girl has always been inside of me. And so I experienced a lot of freedom and encounters with God through dance. And this class wasn't even in the schedule. It was outside the schedule. Um, But then I got to lead the dance workshop in Zimbabwe because nobody else would. I was like, my little yes, sure. It was like Holy Spirit putting up my hand when they asked because I didn't want to. I was like, sure, I'll do it. Um, But it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I read a book on the plane from my dance pastor that had different things in it. I was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And that evening um, was our last evening at that church. And so during worship, the ladies, there was one guy and then a bunch of ladies and young girls they were flagging in the back because um, they didn't have the freedom like we do. And so they'd got to the point where they were okay flagging in the back. But then one of my leaders came. She's like, you need to go get them and bring them up to the front. And so during a song called Abba, I brought them up and just had them mirror me with whatever I did. And it was like Holy Spirit just whoo in the room. <laughs> and it just led into... 
eventually this encounter time for probably in an hour and a half no one even ended up preaching that night it was just the whole church basically in front on their knees before the lord and just soaking in his presence and his love it was uh it was really beautiful god can use your little yes for big things um yeah so that was africa at the very end i had something happened that I thought was just going to be like, oh, but I lost my cell phone. We were at the last service that was videotaping our um, leaders praying over the pastor there, and they told us, Bill's laughing in the back because I lived with them for about four years, and my cell phone was always an issue, and I lost it. I've slammed it in my car. I've done all sorts of things to it, and I lose things a lot, so he's laughing. But I lost it in Africa, (laughs) but it was actually stolen. They told us, warned us, but I forgot, and I had it on my purse, and I was sitting right up at the front, and I was probably this far away from it, and while we were praying for other people, it got stolen. And so for about five minutes after I realized this had happened, I had a little panic. And I was like, no, God, I'm going to trust you. (laughs) I'm going to trust you that you're either going to give me this phone back or you're going to restore it to me in some sort of way. So the church was in a tent thing and they were taking it all down and we didn't find it. And we ended up leaving. And that night... um, my one of my mentors i was sitting on her lap and she's like laura i just really believe that this is a prophetic sign that you're leaving something in africa here and you're walking into something new and that god's going to give you upgrades not even with your phone but also spiritually that something new is coming and so i was like i received that sure (laughs) i was still a little bit like i need a phone god (laughs) And that morning we were leaving for our plane, and I was outside. I'm like, okay, Father, you told me I could ask for anything, and you're a good dad, and you're going to take care of your daughter. I'm a daughter. That is what I learned on this trip, that I'm a daughter. (laughs) So you're going to take care of me. And I was like, I want my phone back, and I want an iPhone, because I used to have one, and I broke that one too. And... And I was frustrated that I couldn't match it with my, with my computer. And so I was like, I need a phone, and I would like an iPhone, and I'm going to trust you for this. And that was that. And we went to the airport, and we were waiting for our plane. And out of nowhere, it seemed, this guy in a suit came, like, comes walking up to our group. He's like, who's the girl that lost their phone? And I'm like, what? And he found my phone, and he hands me an iPhone. I literally just started laughing. I was like, no way. (laughs) No way. And what happened was the pastor and his wife from the church, they they were disappointed that my phone had got stolen. And so they found a phone for me and got it wiped and put a new cover and everything on it and found somebody that could get through securities the next day. And they didn't know if it was going to make it to me in time because we were getting ready to go on our plane. We were through security. And, uh, and my team knew about it. So they were waiting for this, like waiting for me. Like, so I was laughing, then I was crying. Then it became the joke for the rest of the trip. Like, remember that time you got a phone in Zimbabwe? So it was just like another kind of kiss of his kindness at the very end of his trip, right? Like, I didn't... I do... I, you know, it took me about two weeks to get it figured out and actually put 
you know, my service on it, but I still have it. <laughs> I've dropped it a few times since, but it's not cracked yet. <laughs> but it was. It was just kisses of his kindness. Like, sometimes it's those little things. All year, it was those little things that broke just those pieces off. Like, sometimes, yes, pray for those big one-moment encounters that you might read about at times, but... For me, it was those little moments all year or throughout the year that you look back on. Like, wow, you showed up there. And then taking those testimonies and sharing them. Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimonies are meant to be shared. (laughs) You all have a testimony. It's just reminders of what he's done for you. And then he can do it again. That's what it means, do it again. So take people's testimonies. We are the body of Christ, which means we are united. So whatever testimony, even the testimonies of Jesus, they're your testimonies too, because we're all united with him. So those things that I experienced, you can take those testimonies. Okay, God, I can believe for this. If it's financial, if it's healing, if it's breakthrough for your emotions, in your family, in your relationships, find a testimony of breakthrough And read it over. Remind yourself, God, you did it then. You can do it again. He is so good. And he's so kind. And he's so faithful. Um, My uh, last scripture, just before I show you my video. It's from Romans 8, 31. You can flip to it too. I'll give you enough time because I have to. Romans 8.31. I'm going to skip around a little bit. but <laughs> What shall we say about such wonderful things of these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us, won't he also give everything else? And then flipping to verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. So I am convinced, and I hope that you get to that point too, (laughs) that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor fears for today or our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can ever separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, I'm just really grateful for family and for church family and the church here and uh who supported me so much i did get accepted into my second year so i am going back (laughs) so yeah if you do feel led to support me i would love it um i am going to be posting something on my facebook there a link to it to my tuition but um yeah i'm just looking forward to another year of gifts and surprises <laughs> so um if it's okay before i bring jeff up i would just like to pray for you all as a body 
Lord, I thank you so much for everybody present here. I thank you, Lord, for all of their stories. I thank you, God, that you designed them, that you created them, that you knew them before the foundations of the earth, and that it was your plan to show them Jesus. I thank you, God, for your grace and your abundant love for each and every person here. And Lord God, I release the breakthrough that I got this year, breakthrough in knowing your Father, knowing the Father's love, knowing how great and extravagant your love is. I thank you for your peace that passes all understanding, that hope would fill their minds, that you would give them new dreams and visions, and that you would encourage them through your word, that this word would come alive to them, Lord, and that it would inspire them, and that they would walk in new levels of freedom each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Wow. (laughs) What a change, hey? So much. So good. Hmm. It's so good. Like, you know, I've learned more about BSSM from Laura than I did in six years of our kids going. (laughs) Actually, I, I didn't know that there was that much California available. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding so that, no that was that's so like that's just amazing thank you you've just you shared part of your life with us and and that's just i'm blown away i really am so i think um what we're going to do now is take up an offering for laura and we're going to sow into her second year this morning and she's not with us a lot because of summer and living in rindale and we won't see her probably until september before she leaves hopefully um, but I want to do that. I want to honor her. Um, she's part of our house, and she's a daughter, and we're going to sow into her. I'd like you to be as generous as you can this morning. Uh, it costs about $10,000 Canadian for, for a student from Canada to do BSSM, and I'm speaking from experience. And, um, and the thing about going to the United States from Canada is they can't work. Um, so they are totally, they, they can't have part-time jobs, even though the, they're set up for it. And so um, let's just do that. Let's just sow into her life and bless her this morning. Um, there's a lot of cute guys on that trip. Are you, is, are you, I'm just saying, I think, you know, second year could be promising for you. So let's just, let's just pour into that vision as well. So if I can get a couple of buckets, um, go to Andrew, would you grab a bucket and just begin to um, make out your checks to house hope normally it'll just go through us and we'll just give Laura what we collect this morning and, and stuff and that's great so let's uh, let's stand and we're just gonna just actually yeah just pass the bucket through just started with grandma there and so let's just stand we're just gonna I know Laura prayed for you but it feels like we just need one more So, Father, we just bless you this morning. We just thank you for what you have done in Laura's life and how her life impacted by you has actually impacted us. And, Father, the grace that you've poured on her is the grace that you pour on us through her. The love that you have shown Laura and and provided for Laura is the same love that you show us and provide for us. And, Father, we take the testimony that she, has received, that she has released over House of Hope this morning. We take that testimony and we grab onto it and we say, yes, that testimony is us. That is our testimony. 
and her heritage and her legacy that she is releasing is our legacy and our heritage that we're releasing as well. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the change and for the, for the grace that you've poured on her. And so, Father, as we go from this place, um, we just bless your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.